Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Our Hearts at Home podcast, where we talk about trusting God in the midst of suffering. We're your hosts, Gary and Laura House, co-founders of the Our Hearts at Home ministry to bereaved parents. Every one of us encounters suffering. Each week on this show, we sit down with people who have a deep understanding of suffering because they've experienced it. We hope you'll leave here with new insights into how you can trust the Lord through the painful times of your life. So thanks for joining us. We think you're going to be encouraged by what you hear today. After losing someone we love, we immediately start searching for help. One source we go to is books. And there are so many excellent books that we've all read over the years. Every few months, we want to do an Our Hearts, Our Home podcast featuring some book reviews. And that's what this podcast today will be about. Today, we'll be joined by Lisa Thacker, Dalton's mom, and Carol Brown, Jackie's mom. Thank you both for being with us today. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you. I'm glad for this opportunity to be here today. Well, we've all chosen a book to give a quick overview of today, and we hope that our listeners will glean some new insights as well as be prompted to order these books to read on your own, actually. Um, Two of the books that we're talking about today are offered as online book studies with Our Hearts Are Home, so maybe some of you will also want to join us there. So Lisa, would you like to start off today? Sure. So I'm going to start by talking about Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, um, written by Mark Vrogop. Um, This book was recommended to me um, quite a while before I ever read it. Um, It was one that I think maybe at um, a retreat, I think some people had recommended and just some of the different podcasts I had listened to. And I just kept, you know, thinking, oh, I need to read that. I need to read that. Um, And then when I finally read it, um, I just wish that I had so read it before. Um, This book has literally changed my prayer life um, after the loss of my son. Um, So some of the main points that I just want to go ahead and cover are just some things that I really appreciated about the book was one is that the author just really writes from an authentic point of suffering. Um, He has um, experienced suffering in his own life. So he didn't just write as an expert. Um, He wrote with authenticity and out of his own need or necessity to learn how to lament. Another thing that I appreciated was that he gives a lot of definitions of lament, but they aren't just, you know, your typical dictionary definitions. They're more practical definitions um, that also include why we need to learn how to lament. Um, So two of um, that I just picked out was one, um, he says that um, lament is the path from heartbreak to hope. Um, And then another example was, lament is how we bring our sorrow to God. Without lament, we won't know how to process our pain. And those were just two really good examples of definitions he gives. But the book is full of lots of definitions. Um, Another thing that really stood out was that he really just reminds us to that we are encouraged and even invited to lament that lament is a gift sort of of a language that God gives us. I remember I used to think that, you know, when I would read in Psalms and you would read what David was saying and I would think, how can he say those things to God? Um, You know, how dare him? Um, And I realized after reading this book of how we are invited to say those things because it's what we're feeling. Um, He points out that one third of the Psalms are actually laments, um, which just proves that yes, God put those in there for a reason. As a teacher, um, the how we, you know, we hear, we hear about the why to everything. Why do we need to do something? And and Mark covers that a lot. Why do we lament? 
Um, but he just really digs into how do we lament. Um, and so there are four steps to lament, and he goes really in detail into what does each step look like? Um, what does it sound like? He gives biblical examples of lament. He gives his own personal examples of some, some laments that he has written. Um, but I just really appreciate that. I don't have to leave the book just wondering, hmm, now how do I lament? He teaches you, how do you lament? Um, and so you walk away knowing the why and how do you do it? So that was really important. Okay. And then I also, um, the last thing that I just really appreciate is, you know, I think it's so easy as Christians, we think that we have to put on that smile, even when we're suffering. Um, and, you know, I think that sometimes um, lament is um, hidden from churches. And he really addresses the idea that churches um, should be including lament in their um, teachings and in their um, their practices for people who are suffering, that even Christians hurt. And it's okay for us to express that. And we don't have to just put on the happy face at church. Pain has a way of awakening us to our need for God's help. It shines a spotlight on our powerlessness to control everything. These petitions are prayers of faith anchored in what we believe about God. Um, when we, before we are suffering, you know, we think we have everything under control and we think we're sort of in control, even though we think that, you know, we know God's in control, but we kind of think that we are. And when you suffer um, a tragedy or a horrible loss, um, such as ours, you, you, you're, you're out of control. Like everything's out of control. You have no power. You realize that you're kind of at the end of yourself. Um, and so lament is a way to say to God, you know what, I'm done. I can't, I cannot do anymore. I'm, you have to do this. And it kind of gives the control back to him um, and, and shows that yes, through faith that, that we just, we're going to trust him. Um, another quote that really stood out to me was lament gives a person permission to wrestle with sorrow instead of rushing to end it. Um, when as humans, when we're in pain, of course, we just want the pain to be over. We just want out of the pain. Um, and we know that if I just rush through the, the sorrow, um, I'm just going to stuff it. And, it, you know, it's not going to it's going to change my life, but it's not going to change me for the better. Um, so I have to walk through that and wrestle with that. And God does that with me through my limits. Um, so kind of an, in addition to that, my my unresolved circumstances we we will never know why um, our son um, ended his life. We will never know that um, or the why. So I have to live in those unresolved circumstances, um, but lament helps me trust God in the midst of those unresolved circumstances. I want to just talk about a couple of key takeaways that I've really been able to apply in my life um, through this book. So the, the major one that is the absolute top above everything else is that God invites us um, to lament to him, to bring the hard questions to him, um, to bring our frustrations. He knows our doubts. He knows our questions. He knows our wonderings. He knows the complaints that we have, um, but he wants us to bring them to him. He can handle them. Um, it's a language that he gives us, as I said before, as a gift. And he takes those things that we bring to him. Um, and that's how he knows how to comfort us because we're speaking to him, telling him what we need. And so he comforts us in that way through that. And I can take all of those questions that I have and I can just give them to him at the foot of the cross and they're sort of off of my chest. Another one that um, has really been a takeaway for me is that lament gives me 
courage to hope again. So tragedy, pain, and sorrow um, make us feel hopeless. Um, I'm sure as many listeners understand that as well. Um, and so the truths that I always had before about God, I, I've been in church all of my life and I knew all of the truths in my head, um, but those truths become shaky when you feel hopeless. Um, and so a quote that he has in his book is he said, hope springs from truth rehearsed. So when I can rehearse those truths over and over in my laments, in my prayers, when I'm praying to him, but I know this to be true about you, God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you're going to be with me when I can repeat those and rehearse those. It helps that hope. Um, it's, it helps me spring up hope again. Dark clouds, deep mercy will change your outlook on prayer. Your prayers will no longer be guarded, censored, and limited to the praiseworthy things you think God only gives you permission to pray. Instead, prayer will become honest, pain-filled cries that admit you are badly bruised, yet willing to pray boldly to a loving God who wants to comfort you in the dark. Lament will help you keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. And I wanted to just add, you, definitely, I think that anybody at any point in their suffering should read this book. But if I was going to recommend a book to just a very new, freshly bereaved parent, and I've given a lot of thought to what books, you know, I, I know some parents that I could, you know, send a book to. And this book is just, I wish I had known about Lament from the beginning um, to just really have as my way to cling to God. Um we we cry out to God, but this is just sort of that that language of how we can do that. So um, at any stage, of course, it's never too late to learn how to lament. Um, but for people just fresh on the road, this is a, an excellent book to to get you started on that. So yeah, yeah, it sure is. And you're just getting ready to lead a book study for our hearts are home in uh, in the evenings on this book. So some of our listeners, when, when this podcast comes out, you will just be getting started with that. So if you're listening today, you may be interested in joining Lisa. And uh, there's quite a whole lot of people signed up for that particular oh, yeah. book study. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be, Looking forward to it. yeah, it's going to be a, a wonderful experience. And you're right. We both wish that we had this book at the very beginning also, <laughs> you know, we were crying out to the Lord, kind of not recognizing that what we were doing was lamenting, but this book just gives you um, so much structure and so much uh, wonderful direction and um, on that. So thank you so much, Lisa. I also want to mention that the author, Mark Brogop, spoke at our last conference in Indianapolis in October, and that message on lament is stored on the Our Hearts Are Home YouTube channel, and it's really one of the best messages I've ever heard on any topic, but definitely um, very needed and appropriate to parents who have lost a child or are suffering in any way. Well, thank you, Lisa. Uh, Carol, would you like to share next? Yes. Uh -huh. uh, my book is called Hope is the First Dose by Dr. Lee Warren. Uh, I first heard of Dr. Warren through a podcast interview that he did with Jill Sullivan uh, on the While We're Waiting page. And I was really intrigued uh, by what he had to say, and I immediately ordered the book 
and uh, I find it to be very helpful. I think it could be helpful for anyone who um, is suffering from trauma, uh, maybe not just child loss, but other traumas that are going to come into your life. He calls them the massive thing or TMTs. Uh, he refers to them as, and how we can, um, by doing what or performing what he calls self-brain surgery, um, we can take our thoughts captive and we can uh, have a better quality of life uh, as we walk this journey. Um, he is an, a neurosurgeon. He also uh, was in Iraq as a soldier, he, or excuse me, as a surgeon. He treated uh, a lot of wounded soldiers and as a result came home with PTSD, uh, went through a, a very difficult divorce. Uh, but the thing that's most relatable to me is that he is a brief dad. He lost his son, Mitch, about 10 years ago. And so he doesn't sugarcoat the journey that he's been on. Uh, if, if you read the book, you'll realize what a difficult time uh, he and his wife, Lisa, had in coming to terms with uh, the death of their son. Uh, he is he's heartbreakingly honest about it, uh, but he equates emotional trauma with physical trauma. And he believes that just as God designed our bodies to heal from a, a physical blow, he, he designed our minds uh, and our emotions to heal from uh, emotional trauma, particularly losing a child. I don't know that there's any more traumatic event that we can experience. Uh, he um, actually has four categories of people that he has come into contact with over his years of practice. He's treated hundreds of patients and he calls the first group uh, the untouchables. When the massive thing comes, uh, they, they seem to be bulletproof. Uh, they start high. Uh, they uh, found out about their troubles, but they never wavered in their faith. Uh, happiness or their relationship with people or God. Um, I think those people are rare. You know, I think they're sincere. I think they're sincerely hurting. Um, their faith is at a, le a level where they they pretty much stay the course. And uh, he's graphed these uh, particular reactions and as far as quality of life goes. And the untouchables, the line never dips. It's just straight across. The second is uh, group is the dippers. He calls them the dippers where you, you know, you might dip a little bit. Uh, you're going to have uh, questions, you're going to have doubts, but that period of life does not last long. Um, you come back up to the line where you are as far as faith goes and the level that you were before, and you cling to that. And uh, those people also have a very high quality of life. Then there are the climbers, and I think that's probably where um, I was. Uh, because they go way, way down and they're there for a long period of time. But when they're down in the pit, they rediscover faith and they rediscover uh, a new relationship with God and they climb out. And again, they experience a good quality of life over time. Uh, the fourth group uh, is what he calls the crashers. 
and those people crash and never seem to be able to recover. It's just the massive thing is the thing that defines their life from then on. They never seem to be able to uh, recover any kind of faith, any kind of comfort, any kind of peace. Um, and so his book basically is about uh, how to um, not be one of uh, those types of people, you know, the not to be a crasher. Um, and so he talks about the self brain surgery that we can do on ourselves to maybe prevent uh, crashing and never coming out of the pit. He talks uh, too about the uh, thought biopsies. Uh, whenever uh, thoughts come into our minds, how we can look at those thoughts and think about them for a minute before we react to them. He gives an example. He said, uh, I thought, and this is concerning his son, Mitch, said, I did, I did something wrong or he would be home with me that he would have been home with me that night. And he said, okay, I had to stop and think, is this thought true or false? And when I think about it, it's objectively false. And he said, you can transplant, you can do a thought transplant where you can tell yourself the truth. He said that, you know, if, if, if uh, I should have been able to control my son, I should have, if, uh, if I had been with him, if he had been home with me, that this wouldn't have happened. And of course that's false. He, when he examines that uh, thought, it's false because he could not have uh, done anything about it. His son was an adult. He lived in a different city. Uh, he was making his own choices and there was nothing that he as a father could have done. And he said, it doesn't do any good to just pile on this uh, false guilt when there was nothing I could have done about it. And so what his point is, is that when these thoughts come in, whether they're thoughts of anger, whether they're thoughts of guilt, to not react to those things, but to take a minute and take them out and examine them and say, is this true? Is this true? Um, you know, the, the uh, fiery darts that the enemy throws at us, the lies he throws at us are, are just that, they're lies. And we need to learn to discern those things and, and say, no, this is not true. I will cling to what is true, what I know to be true. Uh, and this is something I try to tell people to just keep clinging uh, to, to what you know to be true until you walk into the light. Um, and so that's, that's what he says. He said, uh, he has a quote here that says, most of us, if we're honest, hear an almost constant inner voice that is negative. The inner voice blames us for t the TMT happening, shames us for other people letting us down and tells us it's really our fault. It screams that we're a failure or that all is lost, that it can never be okay again. But that is a lie. Um, and he also says that uh, he uses the verse in 2 Corinthians that says, we are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into the obedience to the anointed one. So really what he says is based on scripture, that we are to take every thought captive, that we uh, are to renew our minds daily, as it says in Romans, 
He says that the thought biopsy squares up what I think I know with what is true. And, uh, for, and for most of us, our recurring thoughts about our most negative experiences in life are simply not true. And, you know, I think that's surprising if we take the time to take those thoughts out and look at them, how many things are false, how many things don't have any basis in truth, and yet we believe them. We believe them about ourselves. We believe them about other people. And therefore, we tend to crash, never to rise up again because we believe lies instead of the truth. Part of his uh, thought biopsy was... Uh, or the, the negative part of his thought biopsy was, he said, I did something wrong or he would have been home with me. Not protecting Mitch means I failed as a father. What credibility do I have to try to advise my other kids when I couldn't even keep their brother alive? Nothing matters now. God abandoned me, doesn't love me, or maybe isn't real. So we can see if those thoughts become things become embedded and become the basis for our belief system, then we are going to be in the pit for the rest of our lives and our quality of life is not going to be good and not what God intends it to be. That God has not intended us to be in that pit forever. He has a, a productive life ahead for us. Um, it's not that we don't um, won't miss our children. It's not that we won't be sad. Um, but there are other things. We make room for other things that are based in the truth, the truth of God's word. And so that quality of life raises as we begin to grasp onto the truth. One of the things also is he gives in a, he gave a negative example about your thoughts. This is a positive one. He said, your son is dead and you will always be sad about that. Is that thought true or false? It is objectively true. Self-care, <clears throat> the treatment required is self-care to transform your thought process. Don't generalize a host of negative, untrue thoughts around an objectively true reality. So in other words, don't reject the truth when God reveals it to you. Um, that's something but to, to cling to it and to base your life on what is true. He said, you will always be sad about losing your son because you're normal. But Jesus said in this hard world, you'll have trouble and that he came to give us abundant life. Your sadness will never go away and you can have abundant life amid the hardest things because Jesus is not a liar. You have lost Mitch and you have a beautiful family who loves you. You can think of a thousand ways in which having 19 years with Mitch was better than having a lifetime without him. And I love that because I've always said 22 years wasn't enough, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't trade him for anything. Mm -hmm. I would do it all again. Mm -hmm. The gratitude makes the sadness a thing in your life, not the thing. And he emphasizes that over and over. The massive thing is a thing but it cannot be the thing. It cannot be the thing that we hang our life on or that influences negatively for the rest of our lives. I love the TMT, the massive. TMT, yes. Did you? Love that. Yeah. 
you believe that you will see Mitch again, which means your sadness does not have the final word. There's more to this story. So that looking ahead instead of constantly looking backwards. And all these things he encapsulates in a treatment plan. He calls it a treatment plan um, for a healthier and happier life after the TMTs that, uh, that come into our lives. He also says, um, I'll make this one last point, he talks about prehab as well. And the prehab happens in the early stages of the TMT when um, he talks about the swelling, just as there's swelling in a physical uh, injury, there's swelling and pain uh, when we lose our children. And, but we have to make the conscious decision that we want to get better that there is life out there ahead even though we can't see it and it's um you know and, and i tell people this too that um keep your minds open to the possibility of healing even though you can't see it right now uh, it's out there god has it for you um and but it doesn't just happen automatically it takes our cooperation so I hope people won't think that this is just another self-help, um, positive thinking type of book. It's based, everything he says is based on scripture. Uh, he goes into detail about um, what he believes uh, or how he believes God has designed our bodies and our minds. It's really a fascinating study of what happens uh, physically when we think positive thoughts or when we think negative thoughts. Uh, the positive thoughts tend to release the endorphins and the dopamines that make us feel better. Um, and the negative thoughts do just the opposite. They take us down. And so he teaches us, um, he gives us a treatment plan and teaches us how to take every thought captive to have a happier, healthier, uh, better quality of life. And um, I found it to be very positive. Um, and very instructional and instructional and, and just a very positive uh, way to look at our TMTs. Uh, and I think that child loss will probably not be the last TMT to happen to me. Maybe, you know, there may be something else around the corner. So I'm happy that I have this sort of uh, reference book on, uh, on how to deal with them and how to deal with them in a healthy way and to uh, maintain that quality of life and that productiveness that God intends for me to have. So Carol, I wanted to just add that this book, I had also read this book this summer. And as I was pre preparing a presentation for some schools that we've gone to visit um, in relation to suicide prevention and awareness, that book really helped me as a bereaved mom, but it also almost helped me more um, in that presentation preparation, because of all of the, as you were talking about, about examining our thoughts, um, biopsying, biopsying our thoughts and really thinking about our thinking and just teaching kids um, to have, you know, when we have a thought, it pops into our mind and um, we have the thought, then if we don't let, you know, if we take that thought and go with it, we get on the train with it, that thought can then become our beliefs and then our beliefs become our realities. So we have to really look at are they healthy or or not. And I just think that any parent, um, I felt like it was a good book that any parent could read. Um, and it does help us um, in teaching kids how to how to examine their thinking. So so it has another practical use too, I think. 
I, I know that he is a, a real fan of Mark Vogoff as well. And uh, I, I don't know mm -hmm. if he's ever interviewed him on his podcast or, or not, but I know that he's mentioned mm -hmm. him several times and the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think you're right. I think yeah. the two mesh together really well. We'll make sure we put a link to his podcast also in our show notes, because that would be an excellent one to turn, tune yeah. into. Well, thank you, Carol um, and Lisa for your comments there. Uh, I'll go ahead and share next. Um, the book that I'd like to talk about is Hearing Jesus Speak Into Your Sorrow by Nancy Guthrie. Uh, Nancy's written several great books. Everyone I've read has been extremely helpful to me, and I've heard the same comments from many other parents who have lost children. But this one in particular, I've read uh, two or three times now, and every time I read it, I learn something different and gain new insights from it. Um, when we're faced with a devastating loss or any type of sorrow and grief, we have a choice. We can either walk away from Jesus or we can trust him and let him do something in us that he would most likely not be able to do without our experiencing the deep pain of our suffering. Our tendency almost always is to try to deal with our difficult circumstances by ourselves. But the point of this book is that Jesus wants to uh, wants us to listen to him and allow him to speak to us in our sorrow. Uh, as we read the pages of this book, we're reminded that Jesus knew overwhelming sorrow himself, and so he understands the depth of our pain and our grief. Uh, very early on in this book, uh, Nancy Guthrie says, he has been here before us, and has things about himself to reveal to us in this hard place, which we could not have been ready to listen for and learn without the hurt. So Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows what we need the most uh, when we are going through times of struggles and suffering. Um, one of the key points in this book is that Contrary to what we desire, God may not always give us the answers that we seek or the outcome that we would like to have, but if we listen carefully to Jesus, he will tell us how to deal with not getting our way, because even Jesus said that God said no to him, and so he knows what it's like uh, to not get what we think that uh, our desires are. Uh, regarding wanting what we want, Guthrie says, our disappointment reveals that we don't value the eternal promises of God as much as we want him to fix what we see as our most significant problems. We want from him, what we want from him is to give us everything that he has promised us here and now. We think that physical life on this earth, the length and the quality of it, is of ultimate importance. And we have a hard time grasping the significance and the reality of the life to come. So when we question why God allowed our tragedy to happen, when we wonder, which we often do, if he really cares, when we feel that he's not near to us or that he didn't answer our prayers, reading this book, makes it very clear that Jesus will speak to us in a way that provides insight and understanding at the time that we most need it. 
And as we listen to Jesus speak into our sorrow, we will clearly see that there is a purpose to our suffering. As Guthrie says, there is power in weakness and in brokenness. Um, one of the many takeaways for me after reading this book is that Jesus may not give us what we want when we want it. He may not provide healing, for example, but he always responds by giving us himself. And that's what we should really be seeking, not the things that we're asking for and think that we need, but we should always be seeking uh, Jesus himself as we work through our grief journey and experience our, our pain and our sorrow. And so I encourage anyone who's dealing with the loss of a loved one or any type of grief and suffering to read this book. Uh, it's a great source of strength and encouragement. Uh, Our Hearts Are Home is actually offering uh, this book as a book study where we'll work through the book um, in depth over a period of several weeks. And I think that this year that's scheduled in, uh, in May and June, so it's not too far down the road. And we welcome any of our listeners uh, that would like to, to join in that study. I think you'll be glad you did, and you'll be glad um, uh, uh, to hear the insights and see the insights that uh, Nancy Guthrie has in terms of Jesus speaking into our sorrow. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and, and do the very last one for today's podcast. I want to talk about the book, Until Then, Stories of Loss and Hope. Um, Gary and I actually were the editors of the book, but we're just a very small piece of this book. There are 13 parents who came together to share the stories of their kids who've gone on to heaven. And Carol, actually, your story of Jackie is one of them that's in the book. Um, and then there are 12 others. Children went to heaven through car accidents, suicide, a motorcycle accident, a beach accident, stillbirth, murder, cancer, genetic disease, and cystic fibrosis. There are three parts to every chapter, and this is what I love so much about the book. The first part is the story, and each author is so transparent and honest. Um, you really get a glimpse of the pain of child loss, and but woven through each of those stories is the thread of the faithfulness of the Lord to that parent. Um, you see the... Um, raw grief. And at the same moment, you see the Lord holding them, which just gives someone so much hope when they're going through uh, the same experience. So it's beautiful to see how the Lord has comforted and led and how he's worked in the heart of each one of these parents through their loss. The second section is what that author would say to a newly bereaved parent. And the part I love about that second section is if you're someone who's lost a child and you're listening today, and maybe you just kind of can't read other stories yet, but flip to the back of every chapter and you can see what that parent who's down the road a ways would say to you, someone who has just experienced this devastating loss. And that will be a blessing. And then the third section is a section of scripture that was particularly uh, important to that parent. You know, there's nothing that can minister to our broken hearts more than the word of God. The Lord's really the only one who can truly bring us comfort. And so these scriptures are also um, an important part of this book. It's been out for a little over a year, 
And when I read the reviews online and just from hearing what people have said, um, two categories of people have read the book, those who have lost kids, of course, and those who haven't. But the bereaved parents have said that for them, they realize they're not alone. It's very helpful for them to hear the words of other parents to see this is normal. This is how they felt. This is how I'm feeling. And then also to see that there's hope. And as I keep working through grief, as I keep going through this journey, the Lord is right there with me and there is hope. And so then also the people that have, have not lost children that have read the book have told us, and we've gotten some reviews online as well, that for the first time, they have a glimpse into what a bereaved parent friend has experienced. And that has been a real eye-opener for them. And they feel like it's helped equip them to better comfort that friend. So I want to end with just a few quotes from a handful of the authors. Every single chapter has so many insights, so I couldn't do all of them, or I'd have to do the podcast all by myself today. <laughs> but I'm going to just read a few. One is Molly Huffman, Tage's mom, and she's also the author of The Moon is Round, A True Story of Extraordinary Loss, Grief, and the Fight for Faith. And she says, the death of a child knocks us down like a tidal wave and drags us ruthlessly along the rocky bottom of grief. We will be changed by it. I'm so grateful we have a gentle shepherd who chooses to stay close to the brokenhearted. He does not rush us in our grief and will tenderly hold us, comfort us, and guide us to green pastures if we'll follow. Another one is Real Vinning, Carrie Lee's mom. She's uh, also just published a book, Sunlight on the Ocean, about Carrie Lee's life and her own journey of grief. And in Until Then, Real says, Heaven now shapes the way I live in a far more tangible way than ever before. Living without Carrie here is hard, but I can do hard knowing that one day I'll see her again, hold her again, hear her infectious laughter again, and run my fingers through her wild curly hair again. And this time I'll never have to say goodbye. Melody Simone is a blogger that many of us uh, really appreciate uh, her insights. And she blogs at thelifeididn'tchoose.com. She says, I would never have chosen this life as a bereaved parent. Who would? But I have come to recognize that my brokenness provides a unique opportunity to showcase the power of God's sustaining grace and strength. What he has done for me he will do for any heart who turns to him. Two more quick ones here, if we have another moment. Um, Jill Sullivan is uh, the co-founder of the Why We're Waiting Ministry, and she gives an illustration about the grief journey. And I just wanted to read this. It's a couple paragraphs, but I think it um, will be useful to everyone today. She says, when grief is new, it's like an enormous boulder that you carry around with you. It's so big, the only way you can carry it is right in front of you. And because it's so large, it takes every bit of your attention. You can hardly see around it, and the weight of it makes it hard to even take a step forward. Everything in your life is consumed by the size and weight of this boulder. It feels like the boulder might completely crush you, and some days it does. Over time, the amount of time is different for everyone, and as you lean on the Lord for help, the boulder gradually becomes more like a toddler that you carry around on your hip. 
It's not quite as heavy, but it's still cumbersome. And like all toddlers can be pretty demanding, requires a lot of energy to carry. But at least you can see what's ahead of you. It's a little easier to walk forward. And most of the time, you even have one arm free. Finally, over time and with God's help, the toddler becomes more like a backpack. It's still there. It's still heavy. You'll never be unaware of it, but it's manageable. You can live life wearing a backpack. And then the final one I wanted to mention was uh, from Dion and Lorette Hanicum. They live in South Africa, and their son Dwayne went to heaven from a beach accident. And they say, the longing for our loved one who passed away will always be there, and they will always be part of our lives. The wound will heal with time, and we learn to live with the scar. It will always remind us of how God's grace carried us through the darkness. I love that, that we can look at our scars and it reminds us of God's grace carrying us through the darkness. Well, we've heard some great information about some wonderful books here today. Uh, I want to thank you, Carol and Lisa, for taking the time to join us and share the insights from uh, a couple of your favorite books. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. There are a lot of books that we would like to recommend. And so we'd like to use this platform to be able to uh, get the word of these books out to uh, parents who are, are grieving the loss of their children, as well as anyone who is uh, going through a journey of uh, suffering. So if you're listening today, take a look at the show notes because there's a lot of information on those notes for today's broadcast where you can find these books and links to some other great resources. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then. The Our Hearts Are Home Ministry to Bereaved Parents is solely funded by generous supporters like you. To partner with us to reach grieving parents with the hope found in Christ, visit ourheartsarehome.org.